WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. If you're not a Steeler fan, if you're outside the Pittsburgh bubble, you're coming down hard on Foster, DeCastro, and Ponce. As Stephen A. Smith of ESPN said, that's a straight-up punk sucker move. Did you notice who didn't come down hard on Bell? Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. You know why? Because they got their money. There but for the grace of the Roonies, go I. Ramon Foster was way out of line. Way out of line. Mostly because he's the player rep. And he essentially took management side over a player. When you say that Bell should take what he's offered and show up, that is siding with management over the player. And then Foster was talking about his mother dying and Villanueva's war record and Bell making seven times more than Foster does. Yo, Ramon, you want some cheese with that wine? DeCastro was right behind Foster in the big baby sweepstakes when he said that Bell might as well sit out the whole season. Ponce was a bit more measured and a bit more reasonable. Ponce came off the best of the three. But how come these guys didn't pop off when Bell missed the walkthrough before the Jacksonville playoff game? And you just gotta laugh when you hear Foster talking about the need to be all in to win a Super Bowl. Right, because Ramon Foster is such a treasure trove of expertise when it comes to winning Super Bowls. I'm going to go with Ben and Brown on this one. Ben spoke reasonably. Brown said nothing. Big big money understands big money. Offensive linemen do not. There is where boots and you gotta believe me. Ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies. I think that's the next line. Barry's Wear Boots brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. Mike DeCourcy wrote a good column at the Sporting News website pointing out that Bell can never get back what money he's passing up now. That's definitely true. Uh, If I were Bell, I'd play. If I were Bell, I'd have taken that five-year deal for 70 mil. I've said all that repeatedly, but that is a Le'Veon Bell decision. All that stuff that came out of the Steeler locker room yesterday was a bad look. It came off as panically, like they're rattled. All we should have heard is, Connor's great and next man up. The fun part is going to be when Bell shows up for week 12 or whenever, and that locker room welcomes him back with open arms, because that will happen. I mentioned this before, technicality. Bell might have to report after eight games, not after ten, because technically the Steelers could put him on the exempted list for two weeks, and those games would not count toward an accrued season. But if I'm the Steelers, I want Bell out of here at season's end. I'm not invoking petty technicalities. In retrospect, the Steelers should have seen this coming, and they should have traded Bell. In retrospect, That's what should have happened. And you can say all you want that Bell owed it to the Steelers. 
and owed it to his teammates to let them know when he's coming in. Well, apparently he didn't owe that to them because he did not follow through and do that. And now they're in a world of excrement. And I'm sorry, it's ownership and management's job to really get a bead on where a situation's going and know what the right move is. The Steelers did not intuit this and did not make the right move. Are you going to talk about Le'Veon Bell all the time? Yeah, I am. It's easy. But I'm not taking the easy way out. The easy way out, you hear it all over talk radio in this town right now. Who's Bell think he is? These guys are brothers. They're trying to win a Super Bowl. They're in the trenches together. These guys block for him. He should be there. At the very least, he lets them know when he's going to get there. He's letting the team down, letting his teammates down, letting the city down, letting the Rooney's down, letting everybody down. All that's not true, but even if it were, Le'Veon Bell just doesn't care. That That's one thing. A tweeter said this yesterday, but I'm taking it as my own thought. Le'Veon Bell's already moved on. Doesn't care about Pittsburgh. Doesn't care about the Steelers. Doesn't care about you. Only cares about where he's going and what he'll get when he gets there. Let's go to Clay in Bethel Park. Clay, you're on with Double M. Mark, I uh, I think what was so surprising to me about the reaction coming out of the locker room yesterday, it was such a fan reaction, like so emotional. Usually that's reserved for, you know, the Yinzers who are down tailgating in the parking lot. I mean, these, these are the players. You expect them to have that measured, hey, we're, we've seen this before response, and it was it was just so knee-jerk seeming, and that just really shocked me. Well, I'm part of that, that, Clay, is because they didn't see it coming, or at least that's the indication I get. Yeah. Uh, I keep saying, I, I keep hearing that they were fooled, that Bell made fools of them. How did Bell make fools of them? Not one of them produced a text from Bell promising he would be there for week one. There was that one social media post, 9918, from months ago. But but things to happen over the course of a, of a couple of months. And in this case, Todd Gurley got that money, which clearly lit Bell's fuse. So, uh to not see this coming, hey, I'm not saying I saw him not sure enough for week one coming, but what have I been saying all off season? I've been saying that Bell has one foot out the door, and this could be very toxic because of that. And that's just how it's played out, and will continue to. Let's go to Lame Steve. That's a good caller name, Lame Steve. Lame Steve, what makes you lame? Lame Steve? I didn't call myself lame. It says right here, Lame Steve, on the caller ID. Uh, this is Rowdy Steve, not Lame Steve. Uh, we're going to call you Lame Steve. What do you want? Oh, I like Rowdy Steve better. But anyway. Well, that's not what we're uh, calling you. Got it. Thanks. I, this is I Lame Steve on the about... X. Go ahead, Lame Steve. <laughs> thanks. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about this as I'm driving around here and you talk, and you pretty much talked it. what you're saying is exactly true. What's going to happen is he's going to come in late in the season eight, nine weeks, the Steelers are going to be barely 500. They're going to lose a bunch of close games instead of winning the close games this year. And They're going to bring him back. He's going to come back, play. They're going to barely make the playoffs, and he'll be the hero because everyone's going to welcome back all the people. I, don't, are I, think, you're, I think you're underestimating this team without Bell. I, I think they'll still win most of the games they should. Yeah, I guess that's 
that's to be said, but th- I think everyone's going to be very short memory and no one's going to be upset. Let, let's say, let's say Bell doesn't come. play the first six games. They play at Cleveland, at home against KC, at Tampa Bay, at home against Baltimore and Atlanta, and at Cincinnati. I bet they do no worse than four and two in those games. Yeah, they won a lot of close games. So we'll Unless see. they lose Sunday at Cleveland, then it could go straight to hell. Let's go to uh, Dave in East Pittsburgh. Dave, you're on with Double M. Hey, what's up? I just want to say that I am proud to feel the way I feel, and I'm just looking forward to football. I can personally care less either way which way the bell scenario swings. Well, what if they start losing because their running back position doesn't produce enough? Then it sucks. But, uh, hey, you know, what are you going to do about it? But I, I do know. agree with the one I don't know if there's that... anything any of us can do about it. Exactly. I pray so for the victims. I pray for those who drafted Bell first in their fantasy league. How about you? <laughs> I do agree with the one caller about trading him for the offseason if they had no plans on re-signing him for a long-term deal, though. I've been thinking that myself. It's way too late for that. Way too late for that. I, I got to complain about Listen to this. I think I'm cursed. How's this for a metaphor? This is terrible. It's not funny. I think I mentioned I I had uh, got a kitten for adoption. I was going to pick the kitten up on the 18th. Kitten died. It got glandular fever, something like that, a viral infection, and died. And I've been sick for three weeks. I have the worst kind of illness possible. You people will sympathize with me. They don't know what it is. I've had blood tests, stool sample, EKG. Everything's fine. They don't know what it is. I'm not well enough to travel, which means I probably am not going to go to Las Vegas tomorrow to do the show there next week. And I'll eat about 1,500 of stuff I bought that can't be refunded, like Queen tickets. Won't get to see Queen either. But I'm still well enough to work. I'm going to be sick. I'd like to be sick enough where I could take work off. But the cat thing, I'm not going to lie to you, the cat thing has me rattled. I had pictures of the cat. I bought all kinds of stuff for it. Now I'm just really rattled between that and the illness. Like I said, one day, it won't be Crowley. They'll just play music. One day, instead of saying, Double M on the X, what do you think of Le'Veon Bell? 412-333-9939. It'll be something like Abby saying, that was the Foo Fighters. Up next, more Foo Fighters. And then you'll know I really am dead. Yeah. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. Up next from the Post Gazette, he covers the Steelers. Jerry Dulac on one zero five nine. And now the super genius Mark Madden. I'm one of a kind on the radio. Thank you for being the best damn radio host in Pittsburgh. It's a family affair. The X at one zero five nine. Wow, Tiger Woods shot sixty two today, tied with McIlroy for the lead in whatever tournament that is. Joining me now, he's a golf expert, but today we're going to talk football from the Post-Gazette and Steelers Radio Network. It's Jerry Dulac. Uh, Jerry, uh, what's your take on how Lev Bell and his agent are playing this situation? We'll get to the Steelers' reaction in a second, but what about Bell and his agent? Well, Mark, for a minute there, I thought we were going to have some good golf talk, but, um, you know, I don't think that uh, his agent did Le'Veon Bell uh, any favors whatsoever. Certainly not with his immediate teammates, 
and I think going forward as well. There is no doubt in my mind that the players' reaction yesterday came after what they heard that Le'Veon Bell's agent said, basically about, well, I'm worried about his workload, and we'd like to know what his workload is going to be because we're worried about how much money he can make in the next contract. And so when they heard that, I mean, the selfishness just came blaring came blaring through. And uh, I think that's what lit the fuse uh, of the players. Going forward, Mark, um, you know, believe me, I see NFL general managers and owners making dumb decisions all the time. Uh, but one of them, you know, you would have to wonder about signing Le'Veon Bell to any long-term contract for big money. Forget the fact that he's had two suspensions. Forget the fact that he gets randomly drug tested all the time. Um, you know, you'd have to wonder about a guy whose motivation is based on how much future money he might earn. Might he start running out of bounds? Might he just start turtling, uh, you know, uh, when he's trying to turn the corner? Whatever the case may be going into the hole. Um, you know, I, I think that that raises a red flag with some guys that why would you want to commit a guy who's it would now be in year seven, whose body is taking a pounding, who's worried about how much uh, pounding his body is taking based on how much money he can earn. And so I don't think his agent did Le'Veon Bell any favors whatsoever by saying what he did yesterday. I agree, Jer, but uh, all it takes is one team. I still think Bell's going to get the deal oh. he wants, don't you? Mark, I agree with you. And at the NFL, the owners and the GMs have proven that time and again. So uh, you're right. I just talking generally speaking, the perspective of Lev Bell is not going to be favorably viewed by the majority of the NFL. But you're right. There's somebody, somebody will give them the money, somebody who feels they need to sell tickets, somebody who's desperate, thinks they need to turn things around, some coach whose job is in jeopardy. Absolutely, someone will throw the money at Now, the Steelers' locker room buried Bell, especially the three offensive linemen, and even though I get their frustration, Jerry, I thought some of it was a bit extreme. Well, Mark, yeah, whether it was extreme or not, I, I will say this. It was not surprising to me because uh, for the last couple weeks I have maintained that, you know, it is one because I, I just know the players and I know, uh, you know, I know what is viewed as the kind of the cardinal sin, and that is letting down your teammates. You could find guys, they could pay money for this or that. They don't care about that. But when you let down your teammates or disappoint them, disappoint them, that's the greatest thing you can do. So you can miss training camp. You can miss the preseason. And they'll go along with that and say, okay, when the time comes when he's here, we'll welcome him with open arms. But when you start missing games that count, and maybe you cost them a win, or maybe you cost them a playoff spot, or maybe you cost them a playoff seating, maybe just maybe that interrupts your, your run for the Super Bowl, now, as Greg Lloyd once said, you're bleeping with my money. And that's what matters. To, you know, that's what bothers these guys first and foremost. So I was not surprised by their reaction. It was a little strong, but it just it just didn't surprise me. But, but on the more cautious side of the street, I thought Ponce did a good job. I thought he was a bit edgy, but, but, but spoke reasonably. Ben spoke reasonably. Antonio Brown said nothing. Cam Hayward spoke reasonably. And it strikes me that the further you go up the money tree, the guys who make money, if they're not sympathetic to Bell, at least they understand. Yeah, Mark, I, I don't know about that. I just think they're just being politically correct. I do not think the guys who are making the money on this team, based on what I hear from them, that they, you know, they don't want to say, 
Um, I think they kind of all were in agreement. It's one thing to stay out, but it's another when you get to this point. Because, Mark, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no logic. And if, and if you or anybody else has it, I'd like to know, because this is a guy who has always maintained, right, it is about the money. He's not insulted, uh, insulted any of us by saying it's the principle of the matter. He, it's all about the money. And so now when the money is there to be had, He's not going to take it. Now, you could sit there and applaud him for saying he's going to forego the money, but none of it makes sense to me, and, and I just I, I, I don't understand it. I can promise you the organization doesn't understand it. They were just going on the assumption he would be there Monday, and this is a complete curveball to them. No, Jerry, I agree. If it were me, I would have shown up and gotten the 855K game check. If it were me, I probably would have taken the, the five-year, $70 million deal. Uh, right. taking into account the lack of guaranteed money, which is a, a Steelers policy. I just can't argue with his right to do it. And I understand, oh, no. and I understand him fearing the workload. I don't think you can operate on that basis, but I do kind of get that. And I've been saying all week, Jer, Mike Tomlin made a grievous error years back when he almost boasted about running Willie Parker till the wheels fall off, because then the wheels did fall off, and everybody remembers that. Yeah, Mark, I, I agree with you. I agree with uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell's right to do it. It's just the whole thing is perplexing as to why. Believe me, Mark, he told uh, uh, some of the teammates last week that he would be in Monday, and then he obviously it's apparent that he had uh, indicated to Marquise Pouncey that he might be in on Wednesday. So some type of game is being played here. We heard his agent allude yesterday to something exceptional occurred in the last two months from July to now that changed why Le'Veon Bell uh, isn't there. But all that aside, Mark, I mean, the, the problems, forget now. They're only, going, they're only going to be magnified and exacerbated going forward when he does show up or if he, if he even doesn't show up. But if he does, which we have to believe at some point he will, then it's, okay, what do you do with him? How does the team handle it? How do the players handle it? How does Mike Tomlin handle it? Does he put him in right away? Do, do they pay him if they take the roster exemption? Do they decide not to pay him for two weeks, which would come to $1.7 million more dollars? Um, I, you know, it's, it's only going to get worse, really, than what it is right now. Oh, I know. This is definitely not going away. We're talking to Jerry Dulac from the Post-Gazette here on the Mark Madden Show. Jerry, um, everybody is speaking very optimistic about James Conner. I know he came to camp in great football shape and is impressed so far. But what are your real expectations for him? What, what do you really think we're going to see from him this Sunday at Cleveland and moving forward? Yeah, Mark, no disrespect to him or, or anybody in that position. He has to show me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, what he's able to do. With that, that series in Green Bay where he carried three times for 58 yards, 8 yards, 24 yards, 26-yard touchdown run, broke tackles, cut back through holes, um, what opened my eyes a lot. It was very impressive. But you know what, Mark, do it. Let's see it happen in the regular season. Let's see it happen when you're going against the regulars. I'm not saying it won't. I'm not saying he can't. But just like anything, you have to show me that you can do it. Uh, before I'm going to sit here and say they're going to be fine uh, without Le'Veon Bell. Do I believe they will be fine without Le Le'Veon Bell? Absolutely, Mark, and I could go on and on as to why I think that. Uh, there's no doubt he's arguably the best running back in the league. He's certainly in the conversation, and, and they would like to have him, but I really don't think the absence of Le'Veon Bell is going to change the fact 
that they will, uh, you know, win the division or uh, have the opportunity to make a Super Bowl run. Do you think Tomlin will make Connor the workhorse back in Bell's absence, or do you think the carries are going to get spread around? Yeah, I think he'll get the majority of it, Mark. I, I'd be really surprised. Um, you know, let, let's go back to last year in Cleveland, the opener. Le'Veon Bell touched it 14 times, 10 runs and four catches, I believe, was the number. By week two, he touched it 31 times, 27 runs and four catches. I think it was 13 touches in Cleveland. So I would expect James Conner to touch it more than 13 times. But I don't think he's going to touch it 31 times. I think you'll see Stephon Ridley get a couple carries. I'll wait and see what they do with Jalen Samuels. No, he's a rookie playing his first game on the road against an aggressive defense. They might be reluctant to play him a little bit in third-down situations, especially from a pass protection standpoint. But I, I, I don't think uh, – I would be a little surprised if James Conner got 90% of the workload, which is what Le'Veon Bell gets. I, I think they'll divvy it up a little bit more, um, you know, just to kind of uh, – just I don't want to say they'll do it by committee, but I think you'll see a little bit more of that than you would with Le'Veon Bell. Now it looks like Terrell Edmonds is going to start, at least that's the word. Uh, what do you hear about that, Jer? What do you expect from him? And where does that leave Morgan Burnett? Well, that's what I've been told, Mark, but I will sit here and tell you that I'm not certain it's because he's moved ahead of him or because Morgan Burnett is hurting a little, which he is. Um, the Steelers' fear going into the regular season was that Burnett and Mike Hilton might not be ready to go. Well, Mike Hilton is ready to go, and Morgan Burnett obviously isn't 100%. Now, he is working in their sub-packages, so you will see him, but I'm not certain right now if Terrell Edmonds has moved ahead of him based on performance or it's just for this week because he's maybe not 100%. But uh, there's, we've seen nothing but positive from uh, Terrell Edmonds. They really like him. I think he's going to be a very good player on this football team, no question about it. And, uh, you know, we'll see going forward. This is step one, but they like everything about Terrell Edmonds. Yeah, I like what I've seen of him as well. And I think if he pans out to some reasonable degree, Jer, he gives that defense a potential playmaker. He's always around the ball. And I think if they had a playmaker that could, you know, get some splash plays, that could make up for a lot of sins. Yeah, yeah, and it could help make up for Ryan Shazier, Mark, and you're 100% right because that's what this defense lacks. It lacks playmakers. We haven't seen playmakers on the edge. I think T.J. Watt can be some of that. I really think Artie Burns has the capability of taking that big step this year based on what I've seen and, and start making some of those plays. But there's no question... Uh, Terrell Edmonds has those capabilities, and that's what the defense needs. You need the, you need a couple of those guys. For example, I think the Browns have two or three of those guys in Miles Garrett, Jabril Peppers, and, and Jamie Collins. That might be one more guy than the Steelers have on defense. But that's what you need, and that's one of the obviously that's the biggest thing they're missing with Ryan Shazier. Well, you mentioned Miles Garrett. You kind of read my mind, Jer. Uh, I think if the Browns are to have a chance on Sunday. Miles Garrett has to dominate Alejandro Villanueva. That's going to be a real challenge for the Steelers' left tackle, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, because he's a stud, Mark. You know, the Browns haven't had a lot of success getting to Ben. They've only sacked them twice in the last four meetings. Uh, obviously, Greg, Woy uh, Greg Williams' defense is, is an aggressive, kind of edgy type of defense that likes to pressure the quarterback. And, you know, they have Emmanuel Ogba uh, on the other end. But Garrett's a guy that's going to demand attention, and uh, yeah, he's a stud. He's a, he's a future star in this league. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. And uh, you're right; that's that's going to be a big key 
uh, for the Steelers and the Browns if they're to have any success uh, against the Steelers. What do you hear about the Steelers' injuries? I heard it doesn't look good for Vance McDonald. Uh, so tight end's kind of a concern for Sunday, Jer. And also, I can't help but wonder if guys like Brian and Ben are going to be a bit rusty. Yeah, I, yeah. in terms of connecting, because Antonio Brown hasn't played the preseason at all, but at least he's been working individually and running routes with Ben. Vance McDonald has done nothing, so I expect him not to play. Um, so, you know, it's going to be it's going to be Jesse James. I think one of the things we saw from Jesse James in a preseason, Mark, and believe me, I'm not ready to anoint him Jimmy Graham by any stretch, but one of the things we saw him do was run routes down the seam, which is one of the things Randy Fittner wants to take more, um, uh, wants to utilize a little bit more with his approach, is running the tight ends down the field. You know, Jesse James was a kind of, you know, sit in the zone, turn your back to the defense and catch that 8- or 10-yarder pass. You know, he's very reliable to Ben. Ben likes him a great deal. But we saw him, you know, if you will, stretch the field a little bit and uh, in the preseason. And I think you'll see him utilize a little bit more in the role that they have uh, envisioned for, for Vance McDonald. I think Vance McDonald could be a big factor in his offense. But, hey, Mark, he hasn't done anything since the first day of training camp. And so, uh, you know, he's had some injury problems in the past, and that's probably the biggest concern is keeping that guy healthy. Jerry, is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the insight. Uh, you're picking the Steelers Sunday, right? Mark, I don't like to say what I'm doing, but I think it's already online. Yeah, I have the Steelers winning a close, low-scoring game by field goal. Yeah, I, I think Cleveland's going to cover, but I bet it's a backdoor cover. I bet it's one of those comfortable wins that doesn't seem too comfortable uh, but but I think the Steelers win. Jer, thanks again. All right, Mark. Always good chatting with you. That's Jerry Duet from the Post-Gazette. Going to try to endeavor to have him on more as the season goes on. More frequently, to be sure. Uh, we got Ralph Sindrich, the agent, on at 515. Uh, the Love Bell thing, it's not going away. It's just... And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, what's up, brother? Hey, Double M. Well, I love Sally Wiggum, but not as much as soccer. That's the best thing I've almost ever heard. VX at 105.9. We spoke briefly earlier in the program about Burt Reynolds passing away today. Uh, I think his two best movies ever are The Longest Yard and Boogie Nights. And I would rank both those movies among the top movies I've ever seen. I think they're just brilliant. I also would put Deliverance close in that category, too. In fact, Deliverance is probably a better pure movie than either The Longest Yard or Boogie Nights, but Deliverance is really disturbing. There's some movies still to this day that I saw when I was, you know, an adolescent, a teenager, that made me very uncomfortable then and still do now, and Deliverance is one of them. And The Exorcist is another one of them. Jaws was just a flat-out horror movie. The other ones, boy, they were kind of... I mean, Deliverance was almost like social fiction. It's like The Purge for hillbillies. And uh, The Exorcist... The Exorcist is the scariest movie ever made. Maybe come Halloween we'll do a show where we talk about the scariest movies ever. But I think The Exorcist, by far... Is that uh, Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, a good football writer? Although I do disagree with this, this I'm about to read. Quote Situations like this are why Mike Tomlin is perfect for the Steelers, 
attacks the problem head on, makes sure it won't derail the team. Pittsburgh's always had these types, and it's allowed them to cast a wide net player-wise, unquote. Well, Albert, maybe the wide net isn't so good. Uh, Belichick doesn't cast as wide a net, and he's been more successful. Maybe too wide a net gets you the wrong kind of player, namely players you don't win with, like Le'Veon Bell, which I've been saying for quite some time. I'm also not sure Mike Tomlin always meets these problems head on. And if he does, he's not very effective at it because they're just more problems all the time. The team is in chaos constantly. Let me, let me go down this list. Last year, you had Mike Mitchell outside Jacksonville's locker room. You had Tom looking ahead to a playoff game against New England that never got played. Le'Veon Bell missed a walkthrough before the Jacksonville game. You got the National Anthem fiasco in Chicago, which rattled the Steelers that they lost that game because of it. That's just last year. So if Tomlin contains the brush fire, okay, but there's always another one lit momentarily. Lit AF, might I add. So I I just think we all overrate Tomlin, and I think pointing at his regular season record, we're not a regular season town. And he's underachieved in the playoffs. And yeah, I know, this guy was hurt, that guy was hurt, they can't catch a break. Sorry, not feeling you, not buying it. Let's go to Mike in Moon. Mike, you're on the Mark Madden Show. What's up, Mark? How you doing? Hi, Mike. Hey, well, you know what? You started talking about Tomlin, and that's what my question was about. I wanted to see what you thought about this whole thing with Webb Bell. You know, like Tomlin might not be necessarily the guy who's in the negotiating with him with the cool contract and everything. Well, no, no, nobody's negotiating with Webb Bell now. That that is yeah. one thing. A lot of the a lot of the national media are talking about. Well, you see, they phrase in such a way. I'm not sure exactly what they mean. They talk about Bell just wants to get his money, and then the local media carrying water for the Steelers says, "Well, you can't negotiate now. He's going to get what he's going to get." But I think Bell's looking for his money long term and protecting his body in the pursuit thereof. But go ahead with your point about Tomlin. Well, I was going to say, but how much uh, fallout do you think he gets from all the players that were speaking to the media? Because, I mean, that's that's something you wouldn't see out of some other cities, such as New England, where players are going to sit there. And I've never seen a locker room turn on one of its own, like like uh, especially DeCastro and, and Foster did yesterday. And Foster's the friggin' player rep. Yeah, and and, no, and what they said did the Steelers no good. What they said did the cause no good. Oh, it pandered the Inzer Nation. It made everybody out there feel better. Ah, they yelled at Le'Veon. Meanwhile, Le'Veon Bell, the money that the money that Ramon Foster makes is butt white money for Le'Veon Bell. Like Le'Veon Bell needs to hear what Ramon Foster says about him. Give me a break. That's like me caring about what the hoi polloi think. Okay. Do you think the Rooney? Do you think the Rooney's would ever give him any kind of heat for like all these things that continually happen, and now this? Because this is a saga. We're not even at week one, and yet there's. I think we're a long. Zero. I think we're a long way. I'm going to be very blunt about this. I think Art's a good owner. I do. I think his heart's in the right place. I think he has that Rooney mind. But I think Dan was one of a kind when it came to being a man. The players just didn't want to let down. And a man that in his own way could kind of bully the Steelers to that end. I think Dan kind of lost that 
that that uh, aura near the end of his life, and I don't think Art has it. And that's no knock on Art. He just is what he is, and he's not Dan. Uh, Dan Rooney was one of a kind. Let's go to Larry in Steubenville. Larry, you're on with these super genius. Yeah, um, who do you think was a better coach, Mike Tomlin or Bill Cowher? Why does that matter? I just want to know. I'm not going to tell you. Goodbye. We're going to debate that in the middle of this. Now, if you're going to ask me how Bill Cowher would have handled what's going on now, I think he, I think Bill would have handled it roughly the same way that Mike did. I think Mike did a good job saying what he said at his press conference. I'm not sure the players would have felt free to get out of hand with their comments like they did under Bill. I'm not saying Bill scared the players. I just think the players feel absolutely free to do whatever playing for Mike Tomlin. I mean, look at it this way. Le'Veon Bell missed the walkthrough before a playoff game last year, and there were absolutely no repercussions. And I talked about that at the time, and people said, well, would you have sat him against Jacksonville? Maybe. Maybe I would have. At some point, you got to take the team back. Mike Tomlin's never taken the team back. And, you know, he's not going to with a mascot like Joey Porter. I mean, it just... It's not a well-constructed Steelers organization right now. And I know that's just symptomatic of the entire league and the way football players are. But that doesn't mean I have to agree with it. It certainly doesn't mean I have to like it. Let's see. Let's talk to John in South Park. John, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Hi, John. Do you think think that the front line, when he does come back, will just not block for him and let him get lit up? No, I don't think that because the reason they're mad at Le'Veon Bell is because they want to win so badly. So when he's back, if he's in the lineup, they'll do what's necessary to try and win. Hopefully he comes back soon. He won't, but thank you for the call. You know, with the two new songs on the show, I have those riffs in my head all day because they're like new within the context of the show. Like and then to recap, if you're just we have Burn from White Snake, the White Snake version of the Deep Purple song to open the show. Nobody identified. One guy did on Twitter. What is the sound effect that opens the show right before Burn kicks in? Guess now at Mark Madnex on Twitter. Then, of course, we still have no quarter by Zeppelin at uh, at 3.50 uh, or thereabouts. We have uh, Fairies Wear Boots by Black Sabbath at 4 o'clock. And then we have the Jericho theme song for The List at 5 o'clock. I've always wondered why we don't have bumper music, like a lot of sports talk shows do, like music coming in every break, but we don't need to. Enough about this show is a pain in the ass as it is. Plus, you don't wear the X. They don't want Foo Fighters. How about, here's actually a pretty funny story. Foo Fighters were on the road will, like, play pickup soccer games. So they were playing in, in uh, Kentucky. And they got involved in a pickup soccer game with a bunch of University of Kentucky soccer players. A couple of the coaches were there, and they saw, you know, the Foo Fighters playing and the coaches watched. The Kentucky soccer players who played got disciplined by the NCAA 
because the coaches being there made it supervised. So they have they, they don't miss any games, but they have to miss some team activities. I would like to fight the members of the NCAA one by one. And eventually I'd die from exhaustion, but I would consider that a noble task. Eventually, who we kid? I'd die 30 seconds into the first guy. But uh but uh that's just that I mean, they're playing the foo fighters. How could it be a supervised activity preparing out of season if it involves Dave Grohl? Dear God. Let's go to Jason real quick. Jason, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Great. Hey, I think the guys on the offensive line were way out of line to say what they said about Bell. But I question, um, Foster's at the almost at the end of his career. He's made his money. Pouncey and DeCastro have gotten their big contracts, so they've made their money. Do you think they would have came out and said what they said if they hadn't got their big contracts yet? Well, I mean, Foster never really got a big contract. I mean, he's made the money he's going to make. He's at the downside now. But I don't think money had... I think I think those three guys all spoke from the heart. I just think they didn't need to do that. I, I Again, tell me any good that results from them saying what they did except it, it placates the masses. Oh, no, not at all. No, absolutely nothing. Thank you for the call. Oh, somebody got it. Uh, Love Shack 95. Love Shack, baby! Uh, the siren at the at the uh, beginning of the show is the purge commencement siren. Not just commencement, that's what they play when it's done. Because once the siren goes off, you have to stop killing. It would not stop me from killing. You know what's... Oh, this, on, the, on the first Purge TV show, one of the storylines is this, this girl who saw her parents killed in the very first Purge 10 years ago. That's the timeline. She has joined a cult where the members offer themselves up for slaughter during the perch. It's called the giving, and they go into the invisible. Okay, it's very culty. It's very, like, accurately portrayed. And her brother just got out of the Marines, and he's trying to find her, you know, to, before she offers herself up. And in her pursuit, he, he runs into these guys who are criminals and they have a girl chained up, and they're going to purge her when the when the siren hits. And, of course, he, he kills them and frees her, and she steers him to where uh, his, sis, his sister is. But during that sequence, he killed these two guys. And I go, wait a minute, the purge hasn't started yet. You do that, you feel shame. You break the rules. Up next, we're going to talk to Bob McLaughlin, 105.9. <gasps> Now the super genius, Mark Madden. I would want total and absolute autonomy. Hey, Mark. Great show. Are you part psychic? Well, I'm actually more neurotic than psychic. The X at 105.9. Got Bob McLaughlin. He's brought you to 84 Lumber. Bob, let's get away from the Lev Bell talk for a second. Dale Ollie of DK Pittsburgh Sports reported that Terrell Edmonds will start at safety. And that puts Morgan Burnett as the third safety. Jerry Dulac thinks that's because Burnett is not 100%. But I wonder, if Burnett's okay to play in packages, I wonder if uh, Burnett's not being physically fit put him as the third safety or if Edmonds beat him out. Uh, either way, I'm comfortable with the decision because I think Edmonds has been around the ball all preseason, and that defense really needs a playmaker. 
And as a rookie, he's no sure thing, but I think it's worth a gamble. Yeah, I like it, Mark. I talked to Dale on the phone earlier today after that came out just to see, you know, um, you know, some of the background behind that. And he said, look, Edmonds has just been playing better. And yeah, maybe uh, Burnett is slowed a little bit by not being 100%. Uh, but Edmonds looks good. He said that's the whole way he won that start on uh, Sunday. And I think you need an athlete out there with what the Steelers are trying to do this year, you know, with their kind of missing some talent at inside linebacker. They need some athletes out there to cover ground, some guys big enough to make tackles, and I think Edmund fits that bill. I'm excited to see what he can do. And I'm glad for him because it's a huge confidence boost. He's probably fired up for that. Now, uh, how do you think running back's going to shake down without Bell? Do you think Connor's going to be the workhorse, or do you think they'll involve the other two backs some? I think they like Ridley and what he can do, so I think Connor will be the workhorse. But I think, what did Jerry say, 70-30, something like that? Yeah. Um, I, I, that's a good number. I, I He could sell me on that number because Ridley's got breakaway speed. He's also got talent. He doesn't go to, down too easy. Connor, I, I just I have liked that guy ever since I saw him play at Pitt. Um, I just, you know, I know that we've had our differences on what he, you think he can do, how far he can take that talent in the well, NFL. Only, only in Pittsburgh, Bob, you know, with the cancer kid and the Pitt kid, only in Pittsburgh could I say I expect him to be a real good number two, mm-hmm. and that be perceived as an insult. No, you're right. You're right. You know, I didn't mean to say that or to put you in that position either. That's not what I'm going for. I'm saying that I think there's a little bit more upside than maybe what some people think. Anybody who saw him run down a pit and see what he's been able, well, people saw him in the preseason. Um, but all that talk about him changing his body, Mark, I think it's going to suit him well this year. He is not an easy guy to bring down. He is strong down low. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do against the Browns. One thing we're to talk about tomorrow at length. And we, we have touched on it on and off all week. That matchup between Villanueva and Miles Garrett, that worries me, Bob. It is not out the realm of possibility that Garrett could own Villanueva, and if that happens, Ben is going to be in harm's way too often. Yeah, he is a true talent. Uh, the word you keep hearing with him is freak or freakish. Um, he's 275, 279 right now. He's that fast, and he is long. He's got arms that just go and go coming off the edge. Um, hopefully Al does a good job with him. Hopefully they give him the help he needs if he doesn't. And going back to Connor, if Connor is in there a lot, the one thing he needs to work on is his pass blocking. Hopefully he gets that down right if they're going to use him for that chip or for that help every once in a while, because if he doesn't know when it's coming or where, that's going to be bad news. I'll be honest. I would line the tight end up with Villanueva on Miles Garrett every play. Oh, I'd be okay with that, seeing what that guy can do. And remember, you talked about it the other day. He's never played Ben. And that's all he's been talking about since the day he was drafted. Talk about being fired up for this game. He's going to be fired up for this game. That's Bob McLaughlin. In just 30 seconds, we're going to talk about the turmoil engulfing the Steelers and how I hope you're used to it by now. 105.9 The X.